What is your capacity to give and receive feedback? In our experience, the answer to that question for most people is low. So many people we work with shy away from giving feedback and tend to take it personally when it's given to them. Yet we believe that feedback is essential for learning, growing, improving, and opening yourself up to new possibilities in any area of your life. In this episode, we go deep with our guest, Erica Gregory, a serial entrepreneur, TED speaker, and Juilliard-trained actress on all the different aspects of feedback, from how to give it, receive it, reject it, and grow from it. You'll leave feeling empowered to welcome more feedback into your life so that you can grow and transform on every level. Welcome to the Inside Journey. Welcome everybody to Inside Journey podcast. We are so excited today to have Erica Gregory as our guest and a little bit about why we're having Erica on. So, well, first of all, welcome, Erica. Well, thank you. It's great to be here with you too. Yeah. So Eric and I have actually known each other since the late nineties. Uh, she was my boss at the Idea Factory, this amazing consulting company in San Francisco. If you can imagine, we were in the same building as Wired Magazine. It's the dot-com boom. We're having all these like startups and tech companies come in and we're facilitating their offsites and we're putting music on and lights. It was really quite an experience. And Erica was really influential in my career. She's incredibly brilliant and talented. If you could see her in front of a room, she would just blow your mind. She's such an amazing facilitator. I learned so much from her and I'm so grateful because she's still in my life. So we live in the same town and our boys go to the same school and we're very, very close friends. And after we launched, Kim and I launched episode zero of Inside Journey, Eric and I went on a walk together and she was very kind. You know, she said some great things about the podcast and she also gave me a couple great constructive pieces of feedback. And of course, I'm walking and inside my body's like fireworks. And on the outside, I'm like, thank you for that. Yes, we're going to tweak that. And I got in my car and I just felt like, you know, when you get feedback, that's not all positive. It just was like, oh, Eric didn't like the podcast, <laughs> you know, and it, it didn't take me long to recognize that it wasn't personal and it was actually came from a really good place. And I respect her as a professional and um, I shared it with Kim and I, I feel like we've really, really improved as we've done more and more podcasts. But I brought it up to Erica having a cocktail on a Friday night, what it was like to get that feedback and how hard it is, but how powerful it is. And we started to talk about feedback and what it can mean in your life. And the light bulb went off in my head and I thought we need to have her on this podcast to talk about the power of feedback, why it's so hard, how it can completely take you to the next level if you're committed to a certain path. And that's what this podcast is going to be all about. We cannot wait to engage Erica around this conversation. So with that, Kim. Yes. Thank you, Erica, so much. It's so great to, to be with you today. And I want to thank you for that feedback because you know, Johanna and I have received a lot of compliments and it's flattering on the podcast, but the feedback that you shared with Johanna, we really took to heart and it was so valuable. And I feel like our podcast has improved so much since getting that feedback. So thank you. Well, I'm glad that it was helpful and I'm looking forward to talking about why I even felt comfortable giving that feedback. <laughs> 
Absolutely. Absolutely. So from everything that I've read about you, Erica, and all of the things that Johanna has shared, you have such an interesting background. Uh, it sounds like you are a serial entrepreneur. You're the director of an organization that is seeking to disrupt the nuclear weapons industry. You're a TED speaker. And before all of this, you went to Juilliard to be an actress. And I heard also that Robin Williams actually paid for you to go to school, which is so cool. You had a, a Robin Williams scholarship at Juilliard. So, you know, I'd love to rewind the clock and go back in time for a minute and hear about this experience that you had at Juilliard. And it sounds like feedback and receiving criticism was such an integral part of your training. Can you talk a little bit about that? When I was at Juilliard, it was in the 80s, in the early 80s, and it was sort of a different institution than it is today. At that time, it was pretty brutal. It was really kind of survival of the fittest. I don't remember what the the averages are, but it is something like, you know, of every thousand people who apply to Juilliard, 20 are admitted, something along those mm -hmm. lines. And uh, at the end of the second year, they also have a process where they cut the class of roughly 20 people in half. Uh, they, they don't do this anymore, but they did at that time. So it was the second year cuts. So you can imagine that the first two years of this program are intense. You know, much of what's going on for people is they're just trying to avoid getting cut, right? The humiliation of being cut from the program. And so uh, the way the critique process works, which is, by the way, I think similar to how any professional arts or design training works, is that critique is as important as any of the other technical grounding you get. So yes, you're working on voice and speech training and you're working on, um, you know, how your body moves through space and you're, you know, constantly made aware of uh, whether you're, you know, pronouncing things, you know, correctly or not. But the other piece of it is that you're constantly getting feedback. So you do a scene in your first year scene study class, and then it's uh, followed by critique from everybody in the class. You do a production, and at that time you would conclude the production with a critique process where you'd walk into a big room and all of the faculty was um, sitting at a, a, a table somewhere around the ring uh, on the outskirts of the, of the studio. And you'd go from station to station getting critique from each of the faculty members. So, and by the way, you know, they wouldn't necessarily have the same <laughs> feedback to give oh, you. Brutal. So yeah. you're going through the, you know, this feedback process, you're feeling like it's super high stakes because you don't oh. want to, you don't want to be, you know, afraid that you're getting cut. You're having to decide at every stage how you feel about the feedback that you're getting at that moment, including how you feel about whether you trust the person who's giving you that feedback and how does it map to the feedback you just got a moment ago from somebody else. People talk about running the gauntlet. It is a little bit like that. It's like running a gauntlet. When they give you this feedback, you could be the kind of person that's going to embrace it, listen to it, take action on it, or you could be the kind of person that's going to you know, have a million reasons why they're wrong and not take any of it to heart. And I would imagine that would have impacted your ability to succeed at Juilliard, you know, how much you took the feedback. I'm curious, did they teach you how to receive feedback? It's a great question. And I, I suspect that they do now. I don't recall, and you know, I want to be fair, but I, I don't recall ever really getting that feedback except for one conversation I had with my first year acting teacher who uh, was, you know, an interesting guy. And his feedback to me after one production was, 
you are hyper subjective. The way you take feedback is that you take everything tremendously personally. And what we're trying to do is to get you to see that these things, these choices you're making, um, in, in, uh, taking on a character, for instance, are in fact choices that are separate from you. Uh, we're not having a conversation about who you are at your core, and yet you're taking it in as if it's somehow an indictment of you personally. And until you're able to stop doing that, you're not really going to grow as an actor. I would say that's the only real training I ever got about how to receive the critique. And it was very complicated <laughs> and I'm sure quite accurate. You know, from there, he continued into conversations about how that hyper subjectivity can play out in the rest of your life, mm. you know, how it plays out in your relationship with your family, how it plays out in the relationship with people professionally. So, you know, that's probably the, the biggest um, <laughs> training moment I ever received about how to take in critique. I mean, isn't that exactly why we fear it so much? Because we're not able as humans to separate the criticism and critique from it's all about me and it's personal. We, we have a tendency to separate it, not to, not to separate it. And so we fear it. I know I fear it because I think it's like an attack on me and I'm bad. Yet it's the opposite, really. If you're really going to break down feedback, if it's coming from the right person, we have to be able to separate the personal from the specific thing we're talking about, correct? Absolutely. And I, you know, I have to say that the irony about uh, you lovely ladies asking me to talk about this subject is I don't think I'm particularly great at receiving feedback to this day. You know, that was 30 years ago. Yeah. I think I'm still quite thin skinned. All I can say is it's something that I, it's a practice. It's something that I'm conscious of all the time. How am I giving feedback? How am I receiving it? You know, there are plenty of times where you're just too emotionally charged to be able to hear what somebody is saying to you. And I think that brings me back to, to Johanna, the conversation we had about your podcast. The only reason I even engaged with giving you feedback is that we have such a foundation of trust. And what I heard you asking for is for me to show up as a real colleague to talk to you about your work. You weren't asking me, how do I feel about you? I think, you know, I love and respect you. Yeah. But you were asking, tell me how about the work that I'm doing right now. And because we have a track record, I feel like I wanted to show up for you. Actually giving you feedback was my way of showing up for you professionally to say, all right, well, let me give you something that I think will be of actual value to you. Yeah. I'm not sure how valuable it is for me to just give you another compliment. Um, on the other hand, you probably wouldn't have been able to hear any of that from me, or if I were you, <laughs> I wouldn't have been able to hear it if it wasn't preceded by an affirmation of the things that I really thought were terrific about what you were doing. And if we didn't have, you know, years of investment in the trust building that we've done. Exactly. And I think that's why I was able to quickly after the roller coaster of emotions, which I think as a human, you instantly take it personally most of the time but how quickly can you recover? And that's exactly where I went. Erica cares about me. She knows that we've been professional together. It was a kind, productive thing to do. Yes. Kim, what's the quote that you, that you love to say about feedback? Oh, it was a Gallup poll, a Gallup survey. And they found, they interviewed, I don't know how many people in corporate America, and they found that people perceive 
getting no feedback as far worse than receiving constructive criticism. Oh, wow. Yeah. So in other words, so many of the people we work with shy away from giving it. They hate giving it because they don't want to, you know, a number of reasons why they shy away from giving it. But at the same time, people crave it. You know, yes, it's nice to hear the praise, but people actually would rather get constructive feedback than not get any feedback at all. So I have this thought and, you know, I don't know if this is accurate or not, but I suspect that for a lot of us, getting feedback is not dissimilar from being in conflict, right? We try to avoid it. It feels like it's somehow pitting us against the person who's giving us the feedback or there's some kind of, you know, conflict embedded in it. What I think is interesting about that is, you know, with all the organizational development models that show that, you know, to get into a really productive rhythm as a team, or um, I think this is true even in just one-on-one relationships, you have to be able to endure productive conflict. And you can only do that if there's a foundation of trust underneath all of that. And I think in some ways, feedback is much that way, that you can really only be in that really deep, committed, productive working relationship if you're able to have an exchange of feedback, um, a, a really productive process of critique. But again, I'll go back to the point that I made earlier, which is I think that actually depends on there being some fundamental level of trust and respect. I have a friend who I think is amazing. He's a super accomplished guy in business. And at one point he was telling me a story about how um, a a new relatively young person in his company came to him and said, you know, I, I just want to give you some feedback on that meeting we were in together. And he said, first, let me just tell you one thing about myself. I'm in the post-feedback part of my career, (laughs) which I just loved because really what he was saying to her is, you know what? That's not the relationship you and I have. (laughs) We don't have, we have not built up the level of trust. We're not in a situation in a dynamic with each other. And I, you could take that to be a sort of hierarchical thing, but I actually don't think that's what it was about. I think what he was saying is, you know, he's open to feedback from people that he, you know, knows it's going to be productive from, but not just sort of, you know, the drive-by piece of feedback because it somehow makes the giver feel like they've done something. Here's my question for you. So it sounds like having a trusting relationship with someone is one criteria, for lack of a better word, that you use to determine, do I take this feedback in or not? How else do you decide what kind of feedback do I bring in and what kind of feedback do I decide that's not valuable or relevant? That's a great question. So I often think about a conversation I had in the hallway one day with another um, young actor who's actually gone on to have a huge television and film career. And he stopped me in the hall and he said, hey, can you, do you have a second? And I said, yeah. He goes, you know, I just, I want to tell you, you're really fun to be around. I really enjoy you. You know, you're just great. Well, thank you. And he said, but sometimes you can really show up in a way that just seems like you have a chip on your shoulder. And in those moments, you're kind of a pain in the ass. And I just think you might want to take a look at, you know, what it, what's going on there? Like, what is the ax you have to grind? And We talked about it for a few minutes. And of course, I remember my cheeks were burning because I felt like somebody had really seen something that I'm sure was true of me at that time. It's probably still true today. And the only reason that I didn't just sort of walk away or get defensive or, you know, say, screw it 
is that I really trusted this guy. And uh, because we had spent, you know, by that time, we'd spent 10 hours a day for probably three and a half years. By that time we had this conversation, we really knew each other. You know, here we are many years later. I had lunch with him not that long ago. I said, hey, you know that thing you said to me? He said, listen, Erica, every time I see you, you tell that same story. (laughs) You can probably let it go now. But honestly, it's with me all the time because he was right. I was seen. I was seen by somebody who really knew me. And so even though that was sort of painful feedback to get, I took it. So here's another example um, of a time where I got feedback that I actually did not feel was welcome and had to really feel my way through what to do about it. I got a note. This was a young man in an organization who decided outside of our agreed evaluation framework that he was just going to give me and a colleague of mine some feedback. And he decided to do it using a numbers rating system, one to ten. And he said, um, you know, I, I've just been thinking about some of the things you do. And on this particular skill, I'd give you, you know, um, I'd give you a six. And your colleague, I'd give her a five. And on this other skill, I'd give you maybe a three And you know, on this one here. And, and by the way, I have sent this feedback to my bosses and to the other people on our team because I thought they'd be interested in my perspective. So I had to sit on it for a couple of days. And all I knew was that there was something in my stomach that felt really wrong. And this is where feedback can be complicated, right? Because I couldn't quite pinpoint what it was that was wrong. Um, Is it that I felt insulted? Yeah, probably. Is it that there was something going on around gender I felt like maybe there was. And, you know, could I prove that? No. Was it his intent? Probably not. But I didn't think that it was likely he would have given the same feedback and used the same number rating system with a male professional in the field. Did I think that I should just have to absorb it and say thank you very much because this person had a kind of position of privilege in our relationship or power in our relationship? And that was the part that really tipped me over into saying, you know what, I have to let him know that A, I reject his feedback because I don't think that he's professionally in a position to give me that feedback. These are skills that he really knows very little about himself, even though he's interested in them. But when you talk about, for instance, organizational development or facilitation skills, you know, this is what I've been doing with my career for 30 years. And uh, so I had to reject the feedback based on uh, sort of the, the knowledge of the person giving it to me. But I also had to comment on his decision to make up his own evaluation framework and to assign numbers and how insulting it really is as a professional woman to have some young man show up and say, you know, I'd give you a five on this or a six on that. Yeah. And to share it, to copy other people as well. Right. Well, that goes into such an important thing around feedback. It's the feedback itself is important, but it's the way you deliver it that's even more important. Don't you think? This guy sounds like he probably did nine out of 10 things incorrectly for you to receive at all what he was trying to get across. And so, you know, one of the things Kim and I do all the time is the first thing you need to do when you want to give someone feedback is you need to think about all the things that are going to get in the way, like all your fears, like what if they think this, or what if it's not my place, or what if they think I'm a bitch, or what if it Mm. makes it worse, or, and you have to think really deeply, will this feedback really, really help this person and our relationship grow? 
And then you need to think about the way to deliver it. So one of the things I think is, I mean, using a system outside of your natural assessment was incorrect, but really being specific and inviting. Would you like to hear, I have some things to say, would you be open? First of all, so the person isn't taken off guard. Kim always says clear is kind, being very clear, maybe something around a specific action, not waiting more than 24 to 48 hours to give it, but giving blanket feedback all at once around all these types of things is just a recipe for disaster. I think it can create conflict and and I don't think the receiver will, will take in the message. Yeah, I think there's a lot in that. There's a lot about what's the context in which you're giving the feedback. Is it part of the the currency of your relationship? Is it going to come as a surprise to the person that you're offering feedback? Yes. Um, I think there's another piece of it, you know, in terms of timing and context, Noel Coward, for anybody who cares about the theater, people would say to him, what do you do, Noel, when you go see a friend of yours in a production that's really terrible? And he said, well, what you do is you go backstage and you tell them how absolutely marvelous the show was. And if it's a real friend who really wants to know what you thought, they will come to you a couple of days later and they'll say, okay, tell me what you really think. And in that context, you cannot go ahead. And, but in that moment, right. it's just not appropriate to tell them that, yeah. you know what? I thought it kind of sucked, honestly. That person is not going to do them any good. It's really just a form of humiliation. Timing has so much to do with it and your intention too, right? Intentionality. Am I doing this because... I want to throw the person under the bus. I want to get back at them. I'm jealous or angry. Or am I doing it because I truly care about their growth and development and helping them improve and be the best version of themselves? It's huge. And, you know, for all of us to be really clean about our intention, that's easier said than done. I, you know, I'm in a position now where I have um, a fabulous team, but occasionally I feel like it's part of my job to give some feedback. But I have to really stop and think before I do that, because there are times where I'm just so annoyed. I'm annoyed for reasons that probably have very little to do with the person I'm talking to. Or maybe they have to do with something where I'm feeling a little bit like I'm um, losing my sense of control or I'm becoming a little irrelevant. You know, there's something going on for me that's making it not clear or not clean to give feedback. Now, I've learned the hard way that, you know, sometimes you give feedback from that place and you get into a kind of a murky, sometimes even a kind of ugly conversation with somebody. Uh, But generally speaking, if all those other conditions are met, you have a foundation of trust, you've got the kind of relationship where the rules of the road are that you're going to give each other feedback. When that's true and you can be really clear about your intention, then you can have a really productive conversation. We wanted to take a break from our riveting conversation with Erica to let you know about the different ways you can bring the power of feedback to your team. At Forte Consulting, we are passionate about helping clients create a culture of ongoing and candid feedback through executive coaching programs, 360 stakeholder assessments, and workshops on feedback and management skills. We help leaders and their teams enhance their emotional intelligence, communication, and leadership impact. Hop on over to InsideJourney.com to learn more about the ways we can help you create high performance through feedback. Just within the last three days, I got a piece of feedback from someone that I actually just met for the very first time. So I didn't have any kind of trusting relationship with her. But 
I took it in. And it was so interesting to look at the emotional roller coaster I experienced when she gave me the feedback. Well, all within a matter of, you know, 30 minutes, I was embarrassed at first. I took it very personally. I was then I kind of started beating myself up for doing it. Then I was sort of angry and like coming up with reasons why that's actually not true. And but I finally got to a place where I accepted the feedback and I actually called it out on myself before, and then she just sort of validated and kind of followed up with what I was saying. And so it's interesting because for me, I didn't have a trusting relationship, but I had to ask myself, is this feedback that is going to help me be better? And do I believe it within myself? And the answer was yes to those questions. And so that helped me to see it objectively and, you know, but like you said, at the beginning of this conversation, it's a fine line between looking at it from the perspective of how can I improve from this without totally taking it as a personal attack? So listen, I think that's absolutely critical. And it sort of is going to belie everything else I just said, because I think we're all being called upon right now to take some feedback that's really painful. And so particularly for those of us who are white and privileged and who are in positions where we do have power in society or in our organizations, we're being called upon right now to take in some feedback about how complicit we are in systems of inequality, inequity, and racism. And um, it's been a real learning experience for me to start digging into the white fragility framework is a couple of the things I've learned from that um, are that the way we show up, particularly as progressive white women, when we're faced with this feedback that we might be unintentionally or unconsciously perpetuating a system that is racist, is to kind of fall apart, right? It's, it's very typical for our response to be to dissolve into tears because we feel like we're being attacked for who we are. But wait, I thought I got up every morning being on the right side of social justice issues. My family is mixed race. I feel like I'm doing everything I can to show up for people. But actually, we're all benefiting from a system that is deeply inequitable. And that feedback that we're getting from our black and brown friends right now basically isn't coming from a position of caring a lot about our feelings. It's actually right. coming from a position of saying, it's really time for us to be unmasked, right? So back to your story, Kim, about somebody you didn't know particularly while giving you some feedback that you felt maybe kind of unmasked you. It's a little embarrassing at first. I think we're being asked in a bigger way in society to, to get that mask ripped off and to still be able to function and show up and not feel so humiliated or make it about us. It's not about us. It's about hearing that and figuring out what we're going to do about that feedback. So I think this whole question of feedback is absolutely timely right now. Uh, and we're only going to move forward. It's not just interpersonally, but we're only going to move forward in society if we're able to really take it impersonally. Erica, as you were talking, it made me think about our willingness to accept feedback from the people we trust or in the right relationships with is directly related to our commitment to whatever path we're on. So I know that Kim and I are on a path with this podcast that's very deep and meaningful, and we're committed to it, and we want to grow. 
And so I'm, I'm so much more open, even though it might be painful, I'm open to it with racial injustice. I am so ready to learn and change. I know I am so far from perfect with it. So I'm open. It's something that is deeply meaningful to me. You know, and I think that our uh, ability to receive feedback is directly correlated to our commitment to the paths. When we're really committed to a long-term path, I feel like feedback has to be a part of it and we have to be open to it. And it's not going to make us just stop our first constructive criticisms. Oh, I'm done with the podcast. Someone didn't like it. No, it's like it reaffirms your commitment to keep moving forward and getting better. You keep going. And, you know, you also don't have to share your framework with anybody else. It's very private in a way. What, what you know, ways in which you're trying to grow and the, and the things that you'll take from certain people and not from other people. I'm not sure anybody else really needs to know about that. But sort of every day you get up realizing, you know, my 15 year old just said a thing to me that anybody else, if they had said it, I, I would have been, you know, horribly insulted. But I think I'm going to take it from that person because Part of my private framework is I want to be better at intimate relationships. And if my 15 year old can give me feedback really cleanly and, you know, instead of rejecting it, which of course I feel like doing because it's not, you know, says I'm not a perfect mother, Mm -hmm. um, then no, I'm going to privately take that. I don't really need to process that with anybody else though. They don't need to know. Yeah. And I think staying listening is the key because it is inevitable to have some sort of emotional reaction when you get feedback, whether it's embarrassment, you know, sadness, anger, you know, blame. But if you come back to it, maybe after you've cooled down and you just stay open, how could this be true? Yeah. I like that question. Uh, you know, maybe a slight variation on it is, well, what if this is true? Mm-hmm. What if this person's feedback is accurate. What do I do with that? You know, I can choose to take it or leave it, but, um, instead of just rejecting it, what if, let me think through, well, what if it is true that I'm short tempered about certain things? Or what if it is true that I sometimes show up with a chip on my shoulder? What if that's true? What do I want to do about that? It gives me options. And I think that's what's so important. So after you get the feedback and you go through your emotional roller coaster and then you ask, could this be true? What about this feedback is true? Then you can make meaning of the feedback any way you want. You can make a tiny tweak in the way you show up in that meeting or with your children. You can experiment privately, like you said, Erica. You can make it your own. You don't have to do exactly what the other person suggests. You have the right to be in the driver's seat and say, how can I creatively adjust or improve. And that's the key to it, right? So making meaning for yourself. What are some of the things you think are the best responses in the moment when someone is giving you good intentional feedback? What are some of the things you can say? I think it's important to say, I've heard everything you just said. I'm hearing that you have said to me the following things. And I would like a little bit of space and time to think about it. That's so key, yeah. space and time, just to, to say that out loud so that you can digest it and go through your own roller coaster of emotions with it and then get back to them, right? I think that's, you know, not feeling like you're on the hook to somehow explain or defend or respond in that moment. That's such an important skill because even if you don't feel particularly defensive, 
the feedback will always get better with a little bit of time, Definitely right? Because so you'll be able to add your own perceptions into that. And you'll, you know, with, with just giving it a little bit of space, it's, it's, I can't really think of an instance in which an instant response yeah. um, would have been better than waiting. I also think it's good to say at the beginning too, just thank you for having the courage to say that to me. I don't know mm -hmm. if it was easy or hard, but just thank you for bringing it to my attention and I'll take that in and I need some space and time to think about it. And let's, let's revisit this conversation. Definitely acknowledging because like you said, for so many people, they have to really muster up the courage, not everybody, but a lot of people to actually give it in the first place. And I think maybe also once you've had space and time to reflect on it, there's nothing wrong with asking some questions right? to get greater clarification. And especially if it's positive, because often people will give, oh, you were amazing or, but uh, great. Now what specifically was amazing, you know, help me so that I can learn and, and build on what's working. Can you be more specific? You know, questioning positive or constructive feedback can probably help you take advantage of that feedback and, and really use it. Johanna and I work with a lot of leadership teams, as, as I know you have as well. And we say that one of the ways to actually build trust is through authentic and, you know, productive conversation and the ability to resolve conflict in a, you know, in an effective way. And so while it validates the trust that exists in your relationship when you're able to have that conversation, I think it also helps deepen trust when you're able to give someone feedback and it's received. Well, I just want to say thank you so much for being with us today. I feel like this was such an interesting conversation and I don't really think as a human being, it's ever going to be easy to receive and give feedback. It's not what we're trained to do. It can feel like conflict, but hopefully this conversation has allowed everyone to kind of really think about how powerful the right feedback from the right people can be in terms of our own growth as human beings. And if you're committed to a path right now in your life and you really, really want it to be long-term and deepen, really seeking out feedback and having the courage to be truthful in your own life will only take things to the next level. So thank you again for this conversation. Well, uh, it's a pleasure. And I think, uh, I think what you two are doing is amazing. All the different facets of leadership that you're exploring and, and I think you're just doing a great job. That's all for now. If you are inspired by this podcast, hop on over to InsideJourney.com for more episodes and to learn about our work with leaders and teams. And make sure to subscribe to InsideJourney.com so you never miss an episode. As Brene Brown wisely said, when we deny our stories, they define us. When we own our stories, we get to write a brave new ending. We couldn't agree more. Own your story. Love your story. Share your story. You never know who it can inspire. Thanks for tuning in. Can't wait for more juicy conversations with you next month.